We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate the fantasy leagues in 2021 hello and welcome to another episode of the college to canton podcast the perfect show for any and every college football and nfl fan i'm your host travis may and you can find me on twitter at ff underscore travis m and titan travis on clubhouse if you're joining us for the first time college to canton is a show about the journey of the best football players in the world and their journey from being a college football recruit all the way to the debate as to whether they should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we always talk about some fantasy football since this is a Road of His Radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. Last week, Stefan and I uh, j- jumped into the debate as to who is the real NFL university, the school that sends the most future stars to the pros and, and has the most success when they get there. Uh, do they get drafted early? Do they actually do anything when they, when they get to the NFL? And uh, so that was a fun conversation. Uh, check that episode out if you missed it. Uh, but this week, we're going to head back into some rookie discussions. Since the NFL draft, I know there's not been a whole lot of new news when it comes to a lot of these rookies. But there's been a lot of debate as to what their roles might look like early on in their careers. And so I'm joined again by Stefan Leco of the Rotoviz College Football Show at Stefan Leco on Twitter. Uh, in fact, I might as well announce it now. He's actually going to become a permanent fixture here on the show uh, with me this summer. So I'm really excited about that. He's basically been a permanent part of the show for a while anyway, <laughs> off and on, uh, with Matt Wispay coming on together quite often. But uh, Stefan, good to have you back, man. Yeah, man, I'm I'm really excited to be here. Really pumped to be part of the uh, college to Canton team here. It's going to be a lot of fun. So much to get into. I love college football. I love the NFL. So being able to jump on this show with you where we get to talk about both is just absolutely perfect. If we could somehow find a way to talk about Euro 2020 and some soccer, then it would just be like the trifecta, my wheelhouse, and we'd be <laughs> we'd be golden. But uh, you know what? I'm guessing not everyone's as into that as me. You know, our listeners can skip ahead like two minutes here if they want, but can we just talk about that amazing like spiking goal 
by the Slovakia goaltender. Oh my god! <laughs> against oh my Spain, god. like oh my gosh! I was just at, I was at lunch. I was I don't even normally watch soccer, and I was just I was watching the game, uh, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, man, Spain's really struggling to score. How can they not score against Slovakia? And this guy makes a break for it. He's you know he intercepts a pass like in in Slovakia territory off the bar. It spikes up in the air, and as it's coming <laughs> down, the goaltender's like, oh, I'm just gonna knock this behind my goal. But instead, he acts like it's a volleyball and spikes it straight down into so his own goal in like one of the biggest tournaments biggest stages yeah. that he'll ever play on like <laughs> oh, it was rough it was rough it's one of those things like i have a i was just actually tweeting about it a couple of days ago i hate when teams give up really cheap corners like when there's no one around and they just clear oh. the ball behind the line and give up a cheap corner mm-hmm. and to me like i was getting mad i was like don't tip it catch it just catch the ball and then not only did he try to give up a cheap corner <laughs> he couldn't do that and he just gave up a goal it was awful and they deserved to lose five nil it was pretty bad yeah not great not great but back to uh the other football yes. the the better football yes. for most of our listeners i believe sure <laughs> So I, you know, I, I don't even ever really watch soccer, but that, that just made me—I almost spit out my drink. I was—it was funny. <laughs> yes, but yeah. So I mean, we've been talking about rookies. I mean, I've, it's funny. Like, but on this show, if you listen to this show for very long, you realize that we talk about these guys and have been studying these guys that are now NFL rookies for you know two, three, four, five years because. I, for one, am a, an insanely nerdy person and already have people on my rosters in some college Canton leagues and deep W leagues that won't be in the pros, you know, for another three, four, five, six years, eight. you know, eight. you've got one guy that's not going to be there for eight. No, no. So I, I only have a guy that's six. I, I have two, two guys that are six years out, but there are players. <laughs> there are two guys uh, that have like a couple that are eight, and nine years out on, on uh, a Debbie roster, which is insane. But yeah. it's it's a lot of fun, and and so it's it's just one league that's kind of crazy, hundred plus rounds deep. But anyway, my point is, we we at some point, like when these guys actually finally get drafted, it's like, oh man, I'm, t- I'm tired of talking about these guys a little bit. But we have to do it because we have to yeah. project what the rest of their career is going to look like in that second half of their journey, and that is actually proving it once they get to the NFL, uh, and if they're actually going to be good. Uh, and so, I mean, it's one thing to think that. We have it all figured out uh, at this point in the summer before these guys have even played a snap in the NFL. There's consistent, you know, consistent consensus rank- rankings, and and really this class, uh, as has been demonstrated by the uh, kind of Twitter poll mocks and such that I do, even dating back to January, there's been a lot of consensus for the most part up top uh, in this class at the running back position, wide receiver position, and even mostly uh, with the quarterbacks. So we're just going to dive into one of the fun tools that Rotoviz has, and that's the Rotoviz projections tool, looking at some of these uh, top incoming rookies and and try to figure out which rookies, uh, regardless of how we feel about them right now, uh, based on what we believe is going to happen in their rookie year, who are going to be the most valuable, the most essential players to have on your fantasy rosters after the rookie year is in the books. So uh, just kind of frame this up because you and I are going to go through this document that we kind of put together with some of these projections using one of the awesome Rotoviz tools, the Rotoviz projections tool. Uh, we're going to kind of go through this. You want to you kind of set this up and explain uh, what we're going to talk about, where these projection, projections come from? Yeah, sure. So um, if you head over to Rotoviz and you go to the tools section, you'll see the projection machine. And it is, first and foremost, it's just got tons of data in it, uh, which is awesome. But if you just go to the page 
you can choose any team you want and you can see what um what rotaviz is projected for each team as far as pass attempts rush attempts and then it goes down to every player and all that kind of stuff um, but then you scroll down you can see that it's not just randomly guessing uh, yeah. it's it's looking at historical data it's looking at the coaches tendencies over the past couple of years and and looking at what teams have been doing uh recently so it, it starts from kind of the overall idea of kind of what do we expect a team's total plays to be like how many total plays will they have in a year and then you kind of guess not guess project <laughs> guess um <laughs> what percentage of those are going to be pass attempts and what are going to be rushing attempts and then it goes from that high level and breaks it down. So, like, uh, if we're looking at Atlanta, for example, we 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 project that uh, the the Falcons will throw the ball 620 times this year. Now, that's maybe surprising to some of you because last year they threw the ball 628 times, and now we have an extra game. So, what's going on here? Well, uh, the idea is maybe Arthur Smith coming over from Tennessee. Uh, maybe that's gonna, you know, maybe he's gonna bring his offensive philosophy that we saw with Tennessee and and they're going to be a less pass heavy team. We've also got Julio Jones leaving, so maybe that's going to decrease some of the overall uh volume. Of course their defense was atrocious last year, so so that was also why they passed so much. Anyway, you look at the passing amount, you look at the rushing amount, and then you you go and you kind of try to figure out what do we expect based on historical trends? What do we expect the target ratios to be uh for the different pass catchers that's everything from running backs to tight ends to wide receivers and you can kind of look at the historical data as well as like roster changes and try to project where you think the targets are going to go so if you think that calvin ridley uh who rotaviz has projected for a 24 percent target share um so you can plug that number in and then all of a sudden you get 149 targets for him and then you can say what's his catch rate historically what can we expect from there and you just build out your projections but the cool thing about this tool is it does all the work for you all you got to do is punch in the numbers and they're highlighted in yellow with the ones that you can change so you can be like you know what actually i think calvin really is going to have 30 percent target <laughs> share and you can type that in yeah. it makes the changes and it spits out all the numbers for you so it's a super convenient tool to try to do your so you can do your own projections and, and see kind of which players you might be higher on than consensus based on how you think uh, teams are going to shape their offenses. That was Absolutely. very long winded. I hope uh, I hope no, that's all right. I think that was a good explanation because <laughs> it's a fun tool. You can kind of customize it, but there's a lot of historical data, a lot of uh, not random numbers that go into the projections built out. So we're going to just look look at what what we think could happen versus what the Rotoviz projections say might happen and uh, how that will affect uh, the final rookie rankings after this year for a lot of these incoming running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks. So off the top, in one quarterback leagues, uh, let's just start with non-quarterbacks because we could talk forever about you know five first-round quarterbacks in, in that conversation. We'll get there, but I want to start off with something sexier. So let's let's go with Najee Harris because and, and by most people's boards, the consensus number one overall running back uh, and and kind of runaway favorite in this class to be an early contributor at running back and, and like a, a you know maybe the most valuable asset or player in this class at the running back position in this rookie class is going to be Najee Harris. I don't necessarily agree, but when you look at the projected role in year one for him and what might be on the table, uh, given the, the available touches, you know, the, the Rotas projection machine, machine actually has him with about, well, actually exactly 240 touches. And that, by some people's measure, might actually be a little bit low. Uh, and, you know, finishing with over just over 200 
fantasy points and finishing 19th as the well, and finishing as the running back 19 on the season. Now that's a little bit lower than I'd say a lot of his average draft position data would suggest in terms of uh, redraft that I've seen. But uh, what, what do you think happens with Najee Harris if he just comes in almost right at 200 fantasy points? Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, he's just, you know, sign him up. 250 plus fantasy points, easy, right away, no no concern. He's even he's even going to catch some passes and he's going to get a thousand yards on the ground. But I mean, like right now, given these projections, he's only looking at around, you know, maybe 1100 yards from scrimmage, uh, you know, about a, about double digit, double digit touchdowns. So. If this actually happens, uh, do you think his value actually suffers because the expectation was so high? Yeah, I think so. I think there's very few people who are drafting Najee Harris uh, think he's thinking he's only going to get 200 PPR points. I think the expectation is much higher. I will say, though, there's a reason I have zero shares so far of Najee Harris, and that is I, I do wonder what Pittsburgh's going to be like. We all like to think Big Ben's going to be just fine and dandy and that the offense will be clicking away. But I'm not so sure. I, I think touchdowns could be hard to come by. That offensive line isn't what it once was. I, I, I think the interesting stat for me um, that Roto, Rotoviz, the, the the machine projects, is at sub four yards per carry. Uh, and I know that that's not like a stat that we think describes the talent of the player, but it does often speak to the offensive line or the running scheme. And the fact that it's that low, I think, speaks to kind of what but the guys behind this this data, what what they're thinking as far as um, efficiency from that run game. And I think that's a legitimate concern with Najee Harris this year. I think moving forward, I think maybe they can get that offensive line back in shape. But then again, who's going to be the quarterback after Big Ben leaves? We're not quite sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think I think people will be disappointed, but um, it's not so far off of where where I have him. Yeah, I think some of that comes from uh, all of the data last year that would suggest that the Steelers already had a bottom five offensive line and they didn't do anything whatsoever to really prove that they're going to improve upon those marks, uh, given the personnel that are, are coming back, uh, com- that are coming back this year. So, uh, you know, Anthony McFarlane, Benny Snell, both averaged like 3.3 and 3.4 yards per carry last year. And James Conner, when he was healthy, was averaging just over four but Najee Harris goes from a situation where he's got the best offensive line at his level of play and he gets free two and a half yards every single play to a situation where uh, he's got one of the worst offensive lines. And we've talked about that a little bit before with an aging quarterback that has an average depth of target at like negative 75 yards. Uh, so <laughs> unless they change something uh, schematically and start spreading it out and pushing the ball more vertically downfield, it's going to be hard to project much efficiency out of Najee, even if even if we think he's going to get a lot of targets uh, as as a receiver, which is kind of weird to project given how many targets they shovel to Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. Like, you know, they're not they're not going to have a bunch of receiving yard market share available when you've got a trio like Juju, Deontay, and Chase, right? Right, right, and James Washington too. He's no slouch. And then of course they drafted Pat Fryermuth. Um, they've got yeah. Eric Ebron there, so like a lot of the passing work is accounted for now this this did project him for i think uh 41 receptions so that's not terrible you know for a rookie running back i mean not like Le'Veon bell in his heyday of course but yeah uh there there is some receiving baked in there and it's still just an underwhelming number so yeah i don't know not harris to me like i i don't think this is like a 
completely off base projection by any means, but to me, it does show the risk that is involved, not because we don't like the player, exactly. but it's more just the, like you said, the scheme, the the offense in, in general. Yeah. And I'm thinking given the shelf life of uh, the expected shelf life of running backs and, and Najee Harris being an older rookie as it is, yeah. um, if he isn't really close to perfect in year one, or it doesn't look like it, you know, it, he meets expectations early on, I could see some skeptics coming along and saying, man, if he could barely only finish running back, you know, inside running back 20 as a rookie, what's the ceiling for him? Is he ever going to really even be a back end running back one? Uh, so I think if that does happen, uh, he's no longer going to be the consensus running back one in this class, even if it doesn't go perfectly for the other guys like Javante Williams, like Trevor, uh, not Trevor, Travis Etienne. It's my own name. <laughs> <laughs> it's my own oh, name when I mess it up. Uh, anyway, tra- <laughs> you know, it's funny though. Uh, yeah, it's I say hard that. to talk about the Jags and not think about Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, so Travis it. Etienne. He has, a, you know, it's funny. He has a little brother named Trevor Etienne. He's actually a recruit right oh, okay. now. So uh, that I, I'm just going to use that as, as an excuse right now as well. Yep, but uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, for me, I love I love the player, but it, you know he, he was boosted by being in a situation that fed him a ton. He had 30 touchdowns last year for Alabama, uh, and you know free yardage all over the place. But I do love the fact that he has that crazy speed. He has that ridiculous pedigree. He's been an NFL star type level player since he was 15 years old. Like we knew this was going to be a thing. He, we knew he was going to get draft capital one day, five or six years ago. To be honest, like as soon as he committed to Alabama. In like April of 2015, we're like, yep, check mark. He's an NFL player right there. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's still going to find success. I'm just thinking he's probably not going to be that running back one in year one that everyone wants him to be. And because of that, he's he's going to probably not be that consensus overall uh, asset in this class. Uh, so let's move on to before we get to wide receivers and pivot in anywhere else. And, and, you know, of course, the king of all tight ends. Travis Etienne, go, go into that guy, because what I found super interesting, digging into these projections and this projection machine, and I guess it shouldn't be too surprising given that we are still incredibly high on Travis Etienne as a team here at Rotoviz, and we were throughout the entire uh, rookie process and all of our rookie guides and everything, but Travis Etienne is projected to see 209 PPR, while Najee Harris is projected to see 203. And that may really surprise some people, given the nonsense that's being spewed by the coaches, that they're really just going to use him as like a wide receiver. Uh, and, you know, the fact that James Robinson is coming off a really strong season and uh, I, there's, a, there's a lot of narratives surrounding Travis Etienne. But what are your thoughts? Like, because it, like, it looks like. Given this system, we're assuming he's just going to show up and have 200 plus carries immediately and catch over 40 balls in his first year, uh, checking in at running back 18 as a rookie, which would far exceed the consensus uh, projections and expectations, I think, right now. So what are your thoughts? If, if that happens, like, is he just clear, like far and away? Like, does he take a, a, a tier step above Najee Harris if that actually happens? I mean, if that happens, absolutely. And I think given the offense, given, you know, having similar draft capital i think you could you could say that he might even have a higher ceiling um than Najee harris which is maybe crazy i mean i'm i'm speaking to a uh etienne truther right now so i think i'm okay to say stuff <laughs> yeah, i'm actually probably one here. of the lower guys on <laughs> on etienne in the road of his group i'm i'm not quite as and i'm a jacksonville fan so i'm just you know i'm just a pessimistic curmudgeon so <laughs> Um, but I, I think, yeah, I mean, if he gets 200 plus carries, like 
the machine spits out 215 carries uh, for 860 yards and 42 receptions. Like if he does that, if he has that much involvement in the offense, I think that is a home run right there. Like you will be thrilled if you have him on your team because there's so much to build off of. And this is a young team. Uh, both at the, you know, you you mentioned Trevor Lawrence, but their wide receiver core is super, super young. They've got um, a young offensive line that's growing and is really getting getting better and better every season. Uh, they brought Cam back. They they brought in a couple of, um, I forget the free agents they brought in, but they, um, yeah, they have a good solid offensive line. I'm curious what Urban Meyer is going to do. He scares me somewhat from a coaching perspective. Uh, but if, if he does anything wrong, it's going to be giving running backs too much work and not yeah. trusting Trevor enough, you know? Uh, so, so for, for, for Travis Etienne, I have to be careful with our Trevors and Travis's. Um, <laughs> I think it's not, I think it's going to be great. I think, I think he could end up really uh, shining in this offense uh, with this scheme. I think so as well. And how, how often do you see a first round quarterback come in and get to immediately play with his first round running back teammate that he just yeah, spent so crazy. three seasons with at Clemson? Like that is that is incredible. And keep in mind, like, guys, I, I love the story that is James Robinson. Like we're not going to see another James Robinson probably for another 10 years. Like a guy who is actually a three star uh, running back, but willingly chose to go to a really small school so that he could dominate and hopefully be productive enough to get noticed by an NFL team. And he happened to be a 5'11", 225-pound bowling ball that could actually catch passes, but just went undrafted uh, and, and going to a team that actually kind of wanted to tank for Trevor. And it just worked worked out perfectly that you know he was just good enough to make sure that they didn't actually win games. And uh, right. But, you know, once they actually get a, a solid professional running back that is first-round caliber talent, uh, you're, you're not going to keep that guy on the bench. Uh, for this guy, James Robinson. So I, I get the assumption and I get the, the, the absolute fact and truth that, that Travis Etienne is going to take over that role and is going to get some crazy work immediately as a receiver as well, given that he has that chemistry coming just automatically with Trevor Lawrence from three years of playing with him. Oh, and by the way, you know, in the past two seasons, Travis Etienne has caught 85 balls. Uh, you know, most of it, which coming from Trevor Lawrence, finishing with a final, you know, season receiving yard market share near 15%. I mean, insane. yeah, I, I'm really excited about that. I, I think I already project Travis Etienne to be the most productive rookie running back this year, uh, along with this projections tool that Rotoviz provides. Uh, but I think beyond this year, he is the next Alvin Kamara and really wants to be like, I, I think he, he's even yeah. kind of talked about modeling his game and in, in preparation and training at, unlike uh, Kamara. So I, I hope we see that kind of early career dominance out of uh, just budding star and Travis Etienne. But let's go to the other running back before we you know get into other positions, because Javante Williams is in a situation where you know, I think his role might actually be larger than we think as well. But when you try to build out projections for Javante Williams in Denver, in your area of the country, it's kind of hard to confidently do so thinking that he's going to immediately usurp Melvin Gordon, right? Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to do with this situation. I'm, I, I will say, um, I mean, Melvin Gordon, I think after this year, I, I don't think he's in Denver anymore. So I think if you're in Dynasty, if you're in a rebuild and you're in dynasty man, Javante Williams, go get him right now because he may not see a whole lot of, well, maybe wait two weeks into the season when Melvin Gordon's dominating touches 
and then go get him. I think as the season progressive progresses, excuse me, we'll see more and more Javante. Sure, he didn't get like the first round capital that you know we so desperately want, but Denver traded up to get him, and they they tr- traded up, and it it wasn't a cheap trade for them. They they gave up quite a bit to move up to get a running back. So I think that speaks to what they want to do. There's a whole lot of, I mean, all the talk. So the Avs were in the playoffs. I love hockey as well. The <laughs> Avs were in the playoffs. And the only thing that you would hear about on the radio is Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, like yeah. there's so much at stake with this quarterback competition. I think either way, whoever wins out, they're going to want to make sure that they're not asked to do too much. And you're going to see an awful lot of reliance on the running game. And so I think Melvin Gordon and Javante both see a lot of work, but I think it switches from two thirds Melvin Gordon in the beginning of the season to two thirds Javante halfway through. And then from then on, you can just watch Javante take over the role and then next year. It's going to be his. Yeah, absolutely. Just fun, fun trivia question. I loved asking you all the questions last week. How many years do you think separates Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams in age? Oh man, I'm going to go with four. They are almost exactly two days difference, almost exactly seven years apart in age. Seven? Seven. Javante Williams is actually one of the youngest running backs in this entire rookie class. One of the youngest prospects in this entire uh, class overall. Like he didn't turn 21 until April of this year. So we forget that he is, he checks like every analytical box. He was productive. Michael Carter was the older one in North Carolina. Michael Carter was the older one of that one two punch for North Carolina. Javante Williams uh, checks a bunch of boxes with capital, with production, with receiving, with uh, uh, really even athleticism. Uh, He meets some thresholds. He's not like an elite Saquon type athlete, but man, he is a really solid prospect. And so. Melvin Gordon, his knees have been bad for five years. <laughs> right. Like we know this, like th- there's a great opportunity for Javante Williams to fall into a feature back role. The projections machine says that if the, if they both stay healthy for the entire year, which probably won't happen, Melvin Gordon has over 200 rushes and Javante Williams though, because they're going to be more run heavy, he has over well almost 150 rush attempts. And that's if Melvin Gordon misses zero time. And that's if it does stay with that majority Melvin Gordon uh, look all season long. So I think I would switch things. I would almost say Javante Williams by the end of the year could get closer to 200 rushes on the season. And, and if he does so, that would easily put him inside the top 30 running backs, if not t- if you know inside the top 24 running backs on the year. And if that happened, if that if Javante Williams by the end of the, end of the year was looking like, hey, Next year, this is this whole team, this run-heavy offense. It's going Javante's way. How close does that get him to Najee Harris for you? Oh, it, he's above. <laughs> I mean, if I'm honest, he's he's going to be above him. I like the offense better because who knows where Big Ben is at that time. The receiving, uh, the receiving core for Denver. I mean, yeah, Pittsburgh's is good too, but Juju will be gone by then most likely. Um, so you've got just tons of weapons and a good offensive line and a situation where he will be the man with the ball in his hands in every important part of the game. Uh, I think Javante, and I know you got you and, and Wispay gave me a lot of, uh, got, gave me a lot of shit for it, but um, <laughs> I, I have Javante as my RB too. So, um, and I think as that's far as rookies go. Because he, he's hated Javante for a while. Like, I don't know, even know, like, like, last fall when I was already talking about him as my running back three, he was like, no, <laughs> no yeah. way. Uh, but I, I gladly already had some Debbie shares 
of Javante Williams before he went off last fall, which was just incredible. Uh, that that value, I, I think I got him as late in one draft. I think I got him seriously in round fifty one. That's nuts. Uh, yes, I play in leagues with fifty plus rounds. I'm a nerd. That's fine, but <laughs> it's but yeah. So it, it really enjoyed the dividends of that. I also took Sage Surratt way too early, so I I, I missed some too. Just throwing that out there. But I, uh, uh, I actually took him before Javante Williams. Just don't don't just don't you know ignore that. But uh, right. yeah, Javante Williams though seriously, I think could end up being that running back too, uh, depending on how this year plays out. After that. Honestly, I don't care because I don't think Trey Sermon is going to be that guy. I, I wanted him to be that guy uh, when he was in Oklahoma, and I loved how his story finished at Ohio State. And, and that gif of him like looking up at the camera perfectly, like that will always have a special place in my heart. <laughs> but yes. I, I can't get excited about uh, trusting any 49ers running back, uh, especially because Sermon doesn't even really fit what Shanahan likes to do with those running backs, right? So, like, even if we try to get optimistic with with the with the share of his role this year, I, I can't get super excited. Like, the projections machine for him, like, optimistically, it, it's projecting somehow 200 carries, but I don't see that how that's I don't see in any world how that's going to actually happen. Do you? Well, I think the like I I actually still like Raheem Mostert. <laughs> you know, like I yeah. think he's a really great running back in that system. Yeah. If he can stay healthy, I don't see how I don't see how Trey Sermon gets gets that many carries. Um, I think this is Raheem Mostert's last season with the 49ers. Like I think maybe next year is, is Sermon. We can talk about him, but right now I think Mostert's the guy. And we know Shanahan likes to play around with that running back room. He likes to give everyone touches. I mean, we were starting like I think throughout the year last year we probably started three or four different. 49ers running backs depending on the week you know <laughs> like so yeah. they're they're just using like Jeff Wilson was a thing like they're using all kinds of guys there and Wayne Gallman is there now too like it's just a mess yeah and that's why I think there's a great chance that even though he got that day two capital and a lot of people have him as, as a, the clear running back four in this class uh, I know you don't uh, but I, I just don't see him just being that this safe play there right and, and then like going over to michael carter with the jets like I, w- I want to get excited about him uh and i want to get excited about them just embracing the youth movement there and with zach wilson and elijah moore uh being the, the focal point of the, fa- the passing game and michael carter just giving him the reins right away but you know even if they really do i'm not sure they're going to figure everything out right away and even if the projections machine here is correct and he does see 180, 180 carries it's not going to be super efficient carries and so even if he gets up to the 140 ppr and he finishes like as like running back 34 does that really do anything for to, to prove to you that he's going to be a long-term uh trustworthy running back like michael carter no, for the jets all. not at all and i think like the the key number that you know, that I see here in the projection machine is like four touchdowns, you know, and yeah, it's just hard to get excited. And, and it's hard to argue with that number too, right? Like, I mean, between, I mean, they still have Tevin Coleman there. We're not expecting the Jets to all of a sudden be this prolific offense. Yeah. And it's going to be a tough year. Like you and I don't love the quarterback situation there, but even if he like exceeds our expectations, like that offense is still going to be best case scenario, middle of the pack. And uh, it's, it's hard to see, a guy who's going to be in a timeshare as a rookie in Michael Carter, who who didn't get draft capital. Sure, he was you know one of the top five drafted running backs, but it was late. Um, yeah. It's hard to really get 
too excited about it, even though I do like him. Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. I want I want to want to be excited about him, but it's just it feels like I'm trying to force it, you know, as opposed to it being reality. Yeah, I think so. Michael Carter, Trace Sermon, maybe one of them kind of sneaks up and is interesting after this year. But this class is really just three running backs. It, it, and we've known that for six months. Uh, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams. Like those guys are probably after this year just because the wide receivers aren't all going to hit this year. Like it's a great group, but a few of them are going to, you know, drop down and not hit expectations. So I think all three of those guys uh, among the skill position guys not named, you know, not being quarterbacks. I think the top three running backs could all be among the top five or six rookies after this season. But let's move over to real, Kyle. real quick. Yeah, real quick. If I had to bet on a running back outside of those first three that I had to put money on yeah. to be like number four guy, it would actually be Chuba Hubbard. Um, because if something happened to Christian McCaffrey, I think he could take over that role and he could dominate. But you're banking on injury. Whereas with with Trey Sermon, I think even if Mostert gets hurt, it's still running back by committee. Yeah. If Tevin Coleman gets hurt, I still don't know if Michael Carter is going to be able to do enough with it. But Chuba Hubbard, I think, actually could, if given the opportunity, uh, be very, very nice for fantasy. Anyway, Absolutely. sort of throw that in there. No, that's 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 a good name because I mean we loved Chuba Hubbard for a long time. He, he's not just he's not just two thousand yard season two years ago, and now he's bad. Like he's still good. Right. He's just stuck behind Christian McCaffrey. But something could happen. Uh, and he could see a spike in value. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell is at least interesting if he's kind of used as the satellite back. But really, this class looks like it's three guys. Let's go over to the tight end position, though, and talk about the only one that matters. Uh, because that is the guy that I think the projections machine uh, might uh, give a healthy dose of reality check to all of us mm-hmm. who want to crown Kyle Pitts the king of tight ends already. Uh, but Kyle Pitts, like, ideally before we even looked at this, like what were you expecting out of Kyle Pitts in year one in terms of receptions, yards, and touchdowns? You know, before I looked at this, I was thinking something like 60 receptions. So somewhere in the seven, seven to 800 yards and six to eight touchdowns, um, which is pretty, pretty aggressive, you know, um, I'm pretty high on pits, but then when I saw these numbers, I was I was like, oh, I might need to uh, to look at my numbers a little bit deeper. Yeah, they, uh, it will be interesting because uh, they were projecting. If you look at our projections here, even with Julio departing uh, and giving basically all the receiving work at the tight end position over to Hayden Hurst, uh, if we're assuming that there's not an increase in passing volume, which I think is safe to say given the the new offensive mind coming into town. Uh, they're actually projecting Kyle Pitts to kind of underwhelm and be uh, the tight end 13 on the season with 48 catches, 547 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. Now, there are about a dozen guys that are constantly in the back-end tight end one discussion. There, there are a bunch of bad jokes about you know, what a back-end tight end one actually means. Uh, but I think it, it could be a little bit higher than this. But even if it is, I think Calvin Ridley is is still going to be, you know, the alpha in this offense. And if he's looking at 25% of the offense in terms of targets, uh, you know, it's not like they're not going to target anybody else. Like Russell Gage is going to get some. Hayden Hurst is going to get a little bit. Uh, So even if you project more like 80 or 90 targets for Pitts, it's still not getting over, you know, 700 yards, maybe 750 yards like it's not really going to get up to those, you know, Travis Kelsey type numbers, which because he's pulling like Travis Kelsey plus in terms of, 
in terms of uh, trades right now. So what happens if he comes in and doesn't even reach 600 yards as a uh, rookie here? Well, I think to your point, like right now it is crazy. Um, I've been seeing people are not able to trade Kelsey or Kittle straight up for Pitts. You know, like Pitts is that expensive right now. Um, I've been in a, I think I've done like four dynasty startup drafts so far this off season that we're playing through, not mock drafts, like legit playthroughs and Pitts is going tight end one or tight end two every single time and early. And these are not even tight end premium. So the expectation is insane. I think everyone will make excuses for him and be like, Oh, what did you expect? Rookie tight end. And they will be just as high next year. But I think people who are honest with themselves, um, if they want to have good process, will have to circle back and be like, oh, maybe maybe this meant something more. Maybe we shouldn't just expect the unex- like something that's never happened before. And maybe, you know, with Eric Gilbert coming out next year, maybe we'll all be a little bit more reasonable. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But let's talk about t- tight end production, because I think a lot of people assume, you know, Travis Kelsey has been doing just obscene things <laughs> to, to the tight end position and expectations for basically five years in a row being, you know, tight end one, uh, tight end one, tight end one, tight end one, and tight end one, (laughs) you know, over and over and over. Um, Yeah, it is. It's just nuts. But how many, what do you think the record is? And who do you think holds the record from most rookie receiving yards as a tight end? Most rookie receiving yards? Was it Jeremy Shockey? He actually is uh, second. Okay. You got the first Um, one? Long ago. Long ago, like ended up Mike having Ditka. Him. Yes, <laughs> Mike Ditka is the answer. Oh my god! Yeah, dude had over a thousand receiving yards as a tight end. And by the way, that's back when they played fourteen that's like games. Fourteen? Yeah, they yeah. played fourteen games. It was back in the sixties, and so that doesn't happen very often. Like you know, you know how many tight ends have actually gotten over seven hundred receiving yards as a rookie tight end? It's six, six wow. tight ends yeah. ever. And so I think projecting something like this, something like, you know, 500 plus yards is actually putting him inside the top 20 all time, given these projections at the tight end position. So maybe we want to get a little bit more optimistic and say he's going to get 700. That would be seventh like all time. And yes, he's like this all time prospect, but it's one thing to talk about it. It's another for it to actually play out and it actually to happen. So I think it's there's a very good chance that he does not meet the expectations and he does dip in value. Uh, I know some people talk about it like it's impossible, and it is not. That That's where right. I am with him. I love Kyle Pitts. Loved him for a couple of years in terms of Debbie and, and college production, and and I, I wish him the best. I hope he crushes it. I hope he gets 1,300 receiving yards this year. I do, but I just don't think that anything near that kind of production is very safe to project whatsoever. Yeah. And it's, it's fun to be hot takey and, and project him to break every rookie tight end um, number. But I mean, that's not what you're going to get from the road of his guys. You know, yeah. like we're not, we're not the hot take people. We're, we're I not, will say yeah. if you had to, if you had to say, do you think he's closer to 500 yards or 700 yards at the end of the year? What do you, what do you think? Which way would you lean? I think because I believe in him, I think it'd be closer to 700, but he's not going to be, yeah. a, I don't think he's going to be this guy like that just comes out and gets 1100 or something crazy and just, yeah, you know, just create and just murders all the records in year one. And that's okay. That's okay. But um, I think if he doesn't do that, I think that some people will doubt. And I think there will be a buy low window, especially early on in the season this year for those to take advantage of 
with Kyle Pitts. Um, I know some people think that's preposterous because because no, because people are all bought in. They're all in. Uh, but I think that there are going to be some people that are kind of mad when he's not God's gift to the tight end position right away. Like so. Well, right. We we want we want instant gratification, you know. Yeah. But like, if you look at um, like even look at like Kelsey's first season where he played like I mean his first season he he did he he played in one game and saw zero targets, you know. Um, mm-hmm. His second season, Kelsey like had sixty-seven receptions for eight hundred and sixty yards and five touchdowns. Like that's that's really really good. But people are still expecting you know more from that from Pitts as a rookie than what Kelsey did in his second year. Yeah. So it's it is just hard to to expect. Like the expectation is is just kind of unfair almost. It really is. It's it's reached a point where I, I mean when when a tight when a tight end enters the one point oh one conversation, it's reached a point of of no return. And so I think there's a really great chance that there are two wide receivers, maybe three and three running backs that are valued higher than Kyle Pitts after this season. I'd say that 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 might even be the most likely scenario, but, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he crushes it and he is valued at at the 1.01 in this class next year and shuts me up. That's fine because that'd be way more fun anyway. But yeah, but before we jump in, you know, we talked about these rookies, talked about some tight ends. We'll get some wider receivers and quarterbacks. But first, a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
All right, so we talked about some running backs, uh, the top three especially, and Mr. Kyle Pitts, the, the king of all tight ends that everyone has already decided is going to the Hall of Fame. But let's talk about some quarterbacks here before we round things out with wide receivers. It's really weird when we see five quarterbacks in the first round, and not just five quarterbacks in the first round, but five quarterbacks in the first half of the first round. Uh, you know, that that's just unreal. Uh, and I don't think we're going to see that for a while. We, we're going to see a lot of quarterbacks get drafted next year. There could be over 15 that get drafted next year. But I don't believe there's going to be another five inside the top 15 picks like there were this year. So a bunch of guys that are going to be in good position to start early. I believe that Trevor Lawrence is the easiest slam dunk to play all of the games. Zach Wilson, he they don't really have anybody else to go with at this point that, that they want to roll out. Those two going to probably play all 17, 17 games if they are healthy. Outside of that, I don't buy anything that Chicago is trying to sell with Justin Fields uh, not being the guy right away. I think he's going to be playing in every single game. Uh, where it gets interesting is beyond that, uh, because talking about uh, Mac Jones uh, and Trey Lance in, in kind of situations where it's, it's kind of hard to project what their first season might look like because do the 49ers just decide to go with Jimmy G uh, and I mean Cam Newton is his arm really dead uh, so let's talk about the top three first in terms of year one impact because I think you and I love Trey Lance and long term he might be the quarterback two or three or even one depending on how things play out from this class long term but after this season let's talk about who's going to be the quarterback one after year one so who yeah, do you who think? Who, yeah, who is <laughs> that? Do you think it's like it's just going to be the obvious name? And it, well, it's Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be in a situation where they just added some weapons around him, and they're just going to put the offense on his shoulders, and he's going to meet expectations and just be this uh, answer at quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I don't know. I mean, name the last name the last Jacksonville quarterback that was drafted in the first round that hit. I mean. We and I'm saying we. I, I've got a Seahawks flag behind me, but I still say we when we talk <laughs> about Jacksonville. Like it's been a minute. Like Blaine Gabbert wasn't the guy, you know. So it's just hard to think like, oh yeah, it's going to be easy and great. I do think Trevor Lawrence is different. I do think he's amazing. I wonder if Urban Meyer is going to handcuff him though, like we alluded to earlier. And then you see a guy like Justin Fields who has just incredible talent amazing skills a super high football iq um but the bears never seem to be able to have a, a great quarterback and then you look at trey lance great situation great position he also is just an athletic freak but what do we know about him outside of you know watching him play north dakota like in north dakota state like it's and we haven't seen him in a year like it's really hard to project going forward what's going to happen and honestly i'm super happy i think when we i forget it if it was on your show or yeah i think it was earlier on this show i said man if i've got the if if, if i need a quarterback in a, in a draft i'm trading back and i want the third the third one because i i'd like the value of gaining some extra picks and moving back because to me it's a a three-sided coin flip <laughs> you know i yeah. don't know which one i like better um i think you know if if it was just about like super bowl wins and i don't know even then i don't know i don't know i don't know man i it's not a great answer but to me they're <laughs> all so close to each other that it, it really is hard to know uh which way it will shake out 
that's kind of how it feels like with this quarterback class this year because not only do a lot of them have great passing profiles, like when you look at the top end, I mean, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and even Trey Lance, if you include his FCS stats, all of them have at least one like 90th percentile of passing efficiency season. And and three of them have multiple seasons of 90th percentile yeah. passing efficiency mixed in with some fun mobility. When we're talking about Trey Lance, he had that 1,100-yard season. Justin Fields, he's got crazy wheels like 4-4 speed, and he has some rushing stats to back it up. Trevor Lawrence is actually super mobile as well almost as impressive from a raw number standpoint as Justin Fields and even Zach Wilson got mobile a little bit had had I think you know some rushing touchdowns thrown in there the only one that doesn't have uh, some fun mobility that that tends to imply that they're going to hit at the NFL level is Mac Jones so yeah it, it is tough to project but I think if I was going to push my chips in on anybody I think it would actually be Justin Fields to be that guy right away for the Chicago Bears and you look at the weapons that he has to deal with right right out of the gate. I really love that he has Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is going to, for the first time in his life, have a competent quarterback. He's never had one. Not in high school, not in college, not any quarterback that's ever thrown him a pass in the pros. It was remotely competent. So he finally gets somebody who can hit him in stride with one of the most accurate college passers we've ever seen in Justin Fields. And I am excited to see what happens with Darnell Mooney. And I don't think that Anthony Miller is dead. And Cole Komet is a huge target, six foot seven. And, you know, just a little bit bigger than that. They've got the ghost of Jimmy Graham still. So they've got some interesting weapons uh, for him to throw to. Tariq Cohen. I mean, yeah. yeah. Tariq Cohen's back. So they have have a lot. And they're they're still going to have to throw a lot this year. So if you look at the projections machine, they basically split the pass attempts in half between Andy Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. But I just don't think that, that that's going to be the case. I think you're looking at a, a situation where they're probably going to have 600 pass attempts as a team. Lots of opportunity for him to throw the ball, but also be a dual threat weapon as a runner. Uh, even though he doesn't always look to do that, I think he could be the slam dunk in year one and finish maybe as a back-end quarterback one when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean... I I think I think he could be just I think he could just be amazing. I in one of these startups that I was telling you about, I uh, I got it's a super flex, so I got Justin Fields early, and then I went ahead and, and paired him up with Allen Robinson, and I'm I'm so excited for my future in that league. It's, I think Justin Fields has just tremendous upside. Yeah, absolutely. So he would be my best bet, and it, maybe it's I'm a little biased because I actually have two uh, incoming Debbie shares of of Justin Fields uh, that I'm I'm rooting for. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. a little bit biased, but um, I, I do believe that he is just that, that that perfect dual threat that has that passing efficiency going into a system where he's got a really solid alpha wide receiver one to just target 160 times, and that's going to be fun for fantasy football. But let's round this thing out with some wide receiver talk because there are some really fun production profiles in this class, really fun mixtures with that and capital. Some guys with with question marks, whether it be their weight or their imperfect production profile when it comes to, uh, you know, small sample guys like Jalen Waddell, uh, you know, and, and guys that didn't get perfect capital uh, and, and guys that are obviously obvious fades like Kadarius Tony. Uh, but, you know, there, there are a lot of fun, basically a, a class that has every kind of wide receiver that you want. 
But who is your bet based on how this year is going to play out to be the wide receiver one after this year among these rookies? Is it just obvious and it's just going to be Jamar Chase yeah. no matter what happens? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I think it'd be fun to say someone else. Uh, but to me, it's just a perfect situation. I mean, he's going, I mean, not that it matters all that much, but he is going back to play with his his college quarterback. Um, and I think the reason it does matter is because it's not that, not that he was his college quarterback, but he was a number one pick last year. Um, even if he takes a little while to get ramped up and healthy this year, um, long term, I think he's going to be fine. They have other wide receivers in that room that um, kind of like Tyler Boyd and, and T Higgins kind of can take some of the pressure off of chase uh, as well so that he is able to still receive a, a healthy share of targets, but then also um, not always be locked down um, in, in double coverage or something like that. So to me, uh, Jamar chase, I mean, it is weird because we didn't get to see him play football at all last year. Like he, he sat out. So it's been a minute since we've seen him, but man, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was just looking back at his tape because I was like, okay, what do I need to remember about this guy? Uh, <laughs> and and I was just like, oh my goodness, he's just because because for a while there, um, before before Devonta Smith was getting the Heisman love, I was telling people to push all their money in to bet to to bet on him to win the Heisman because he was just having an unbelievable year. So I just got in, I just fell in love with Smith, and he moved up my boards. He became my wide receiver one. And then when it came actually to draft time, I was like, okay, I actually need to look back at Chase. And I was just like, okay, yeah, here we it's go. It's still Chase. <laughs> um, yeah, he's uh, he's something different. Absolutely. I, I think that it would be something weird would have to happen. Uh, let's just pray that he stays healthy because I think if he stays healthy, he's in for a, a giant target load. I know that people want to uh, get really skeptical about how do you feed all three of those wide receivers. and But, you know, name the tight end on the Bengals right now. Oh, I actually, I am really mad at myself that I can't remember his name. He has a really, is it Sam, Sam, Sample? Yes, Drew Sample. The the reachiest yeah. of reaches at, at the tight. He was like a second round yeah. pick for absolutely no reason. Yeah. Like Drew Sample and CJ Uzoma or whatever before yeah. he kind of got injured, uh, I believe, last year. But uh, I don't think that they're going to throw to those guys when you have Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. And yeah. they got rid of their, you know, prototypical pass catching. Uh, running back um, so yeah Joe Mixon he's still going to eat but I don't think he's going to take a ton of targets away from the three uh, wide receivers all of which could be the wide receiver one for their team in any given week uh, yep. I think they're all going to see over 120 targets all three of them and that's actually what the projection machine says and it says that they're all three going to have at least 80 receptions and if that does happen that puts them both uh, well, that puts all three of them squarely inside the top 24 uh, in terms of wide receiver production uh, next year, uh, if not, you know, at least the, the top 30 easily. So this this could be the best trio of wide receivers uh, after this year, uh, just by consensus this year. So looking at Jamar Chase, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd on the same team, that's going to be really tough to stop for anybody if they can actually get enough time from the offensive line to pass. But if it's right. not going to be Jamar Chase. Who is it going to be from these rookie wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, I'm so not fun right now. <laughs> Just going down the list. Um, I think I think Smith is number two for me. Uh, I think you know landing in Philadelphia is is a is a great location for him. I think Jalen Hurts is a good enough quarterback to get him the football. There's not a ton of competition for targets there. Jalen Rager. Let's see. I, I'm not I'm not burying him. I, I I'm not even going to have to use the Undertaker. 
gift when he starts producing because he's not dead to me. Uh, he's still very <laughs> much alive. I just, I, I loved him at, at TCU, so I just want him to be a thing. Um, so, so I, I think he could be, I think he could be just fine um, in that offense. I think Smith is gonna is gonna produce well, though. I think it might take him um, a little while just just because of Jalen Hurts, um, just to get used to what they're doing there in Philadelphia. And it, and we've seen so many. Um, I mean, the last couple of years, Philadelphia's just had no wide receiver weapons. And so having someone like him, an elite receiver, uh, who, yes, is tiny, uh, but the production speaks for itself. I think it's going to be I think he's going to be uh, really, really great. I think Devontae Smith is going to hit and all the people that wasted a bunch of breath talking about his BMI are going to delete all those tweets. That's yeah. probably what's going to happen. Uh, but I think just because if you look around. Uh, and the the room of wide receivers and other options that are uh, real difference makers. There's not a bunch of proven guys that are going to be uh, just monstrous producers around him. I'm going well, and the fact that he's just a beast and has been the best player at every level, at, at, you know, at all times except for when he was sharing the field with AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. Elijah Moore. Uh, with the New York Jets. I know a lot of people that's been kind of trendy lately, but I mean, you and I and the Rotovis team has been high on Elijah Moore for multiple years. I know Matt Wispay was high on him even before he he saw the field uh, and, and was in, in that coveted slot role at Ole Miss. Uh, Elijah Moore, he's only projected to, to see like 500 receiving yards this year, according to the projections machine. And a lot of that has to do with the skepticism, thanks to Jamison Crowder coming back this year. Uh, and a lot of people look at Elijah Moore, see a high percentage of his, his career snaps coming from the slot and go, oh, well, that's where Jamison Crowder is a lot of the time. How is he going to get on the field and be, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, Elijah Moore was shifted outside for a quarter of the time last fall uh, for yep. Ole Miss as well and was even more efficient when he was asked to do so. So I think Elijah Moore can play any wide receiver position on the field. Uh, and similar to Justin Jefferson last year, everyone was talking about, well, he's only a slot guy. He never faced press and all this other garbage that was just incorrect uh, and, and said, well, there's there's other, you know, it's not a high volume attack or whatever. But look at the guys around him. We're talking about Denzel Mims, who I liked, but he's just not even on the same planet as Elijah Moore. Corey Davis, who has been a perennial disappointment. And then Jamison Crowder, who is an unathletic slot receiver who's been volume dependent for his entire career. And now he's probably not going to have that volume. So he's projected right. to right now to get like over 100 targets in this projections machine. I think it's actually going to be Mr. Elijah Moore getting those 100 plus targets in year one and getting 800 plus receiving yards and half a dozen scores and being at least in the wide receiver two conversation in this class after this season. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to just uh, agree with you and everything. That's no fun. But I mean, the projection machine, there was just a few areas where I think um, I have pretty strong uh, areas that I disagreed with. And, and Elijah Moore was definitely one that popped um, because like, yeah, they had him ranked as a number 82 wide receiver uh, for this upcoming year in PPR. And I just think that's way too low. Um, I think, I think, yeah, like you said, I think he's going to eclipse 60 receptions and six, 650 yards. And the, the machine only spit out three touchdowns for him. If you watched him uh, play at Ole Miss, I mean, he was crazy. He was just insane. And you're talking about with, and, and Matt Corral is is a fine quarterback, uh, but he's no Zach Wilson. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, actually, that's, oh, that's, honestly, that's probably true. Uh, at least he, he knows. Uh, I, I think how he's to gonna have. A, I think he's gonna have a fine year. Yes, yeah. but 
yeah, he, when when a defense drops eleven, he just doesn't chuck it into their arms six times. But right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's that's a different conversation for another day. But yeah, I just believe Elijah Moore is probably going to end up being the wide receiver two from this class, if not the wide receiver three, probably at worst. Uh, I, I do like guys like Jalen Waddle. I do like guys like Rondale Moore, like Terrace Marshall, like Diami Brown, like Rashad Bateman. There's there's a ton of guys in this class to get excited about. But if I was going to try to project who were going to be the top three for the wide receivers after this season, it would be Jamar Chase. It would be Elijah Moore. It would be Devontae Smith. And that's primarily due to their early opportunity uh, this year and what we would project their role to be. Because even guys like that are in decent spots to get high volume just because of their offense, like Rondell Moore might see more targets than a lot of people thought this spring, but his cap is probably what, like 40 catches and 600 yards, you know? So like, that's, that's probably what we're talking about with him. Uh, and even Terrace Marshall, like he's going to be splitting a lot of targets, like even guys like uh, Jalen Waddle, like, what do you think the ceiling is for Jalen Waddle in year one? Yeah. I mean, Jalen Waddle, uh, someone I'm low on, I have no shares. I'm not interested. Um, I, and I, I like Tua. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I'm not one of these guys who think Tua is, was a bust. I think it's too early to tell. But I just, there's so many receivers in that room. Uh, I just, it's hard for me to see how Waddle steps on the field and, and is an impact player for fantasy right away. I think he's going to contribute uh, in the NFL. I think he's going to have some key catches. I think he's going to make some big plays. But I don't think we're going to see the volume uh, that we want for him to be uh, an elite wide receiver for fantasy. And probably the person I'm lowest on, uh, like the wide receiver I'm lowest on, um, I wrote an article about him too because uh, there was just so much debate going back and forth because Rashad Bateman, uh, coming out of college, his his production profile was just amazing. Oh, yeah. And his athletic profile is incredible. The dude is everything you want in a wide receiver. He has the, he has the, the, the draft capital to go along with it. And if you just told me uh, all of that and I didn't have to worry about where he was landing, I would be all in. But when he saw when I when I saw that Baltimore selected him, I just got so worried. Um, so I wrote this article and I basically <laughs> come up with like the, the best case and worst case scenarios. And the best case scenario for him still isn't great. Uh, no, I, I don't not. see a situation where if you're spending like right now, I think um, according to like fantasy pros ADP. Um, and this is in single quarterback. Uh, he's going um, uh, number nine overall. So he's going, you know, in terms uh, of rookies, first right? round. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I just don't, I just don't see it. Uh, I I don't understand why he is, like you said, like he's going ahead of Elijah Moore. Like I don't, I don't understand why when you're looking at an offense that just doesn't throw the ball. Yeah. Uh, last like last year they didn't even like the last two years they haven't really eclipsed 400 yard uh 400 pass attempts um and, and, and it's it's Not hard great. to imagine an offense in the nfl operating like that but when you have lamar jackson it makes sense it's an it's an extreme environment it's not like oh alpha wide receivers demand demand um targets therefore he'll he'll be fine like because he's there he will get targets because he's that good of a receiver yes that may be true in most places but baltimore's different and Lamar Jackson, even if it's not like it may be a called pass, but he's still going to run the football. Um, it's just not normal. Um, and Lamar Jackson is is great at what he does. I have no problem with it. But then you also have the fact that like Hollywood Brown is still there. Uh, Sammy Watkins was brought in. 
They also drafted Tylen Wallace, who who I think is a very good wide receiver. And then that's not to mention their number one target target man, and that's Mark Andrews, who's going to demand over a hundred targets. So yeah, um, it's hard to see where Rashad Bateman's going to get his in order to be fantasy relevant. I mean, he would have to be hyper efficient, um, and I just I'm not betting on it. So Rashad Bateman's probably the person that I'm I'm the lowest on. Yeah, uh, I wish from from the high end guys. Yeah, I wish I wasn't because I love Rashad Bateman as a prospect. He just landed in right. a spot I, I really can't get excited about. Like even if every even if he was the wide receiver one, he wouldn't actually be the wide receiver one. It would be Mark Andrews still. So and like you said, right. so it would probably be right around 100 targets max probably, and that's not great for fantasy football. So yeah. I, I'm not uh, buying him uh, at, at price. Uh, you know, so I would much rather have Elijah Moore. Uh, than Rashad Bateman, but he's not really far down either. Like I, like he's you know like Terrace Marshall. I probably you know he, he's in that same tier with Terrace Marshall, but he's not much lower. You know, so right. Uh, I think that there are several wide receivers who could be in the conversation for wide receiver four ish or five ish, but I think the top three safely to me somehow are going to be due to the workload early on and just the volume. I think moving forward, Jit and Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith. And Elijah Moore, Jalen Waddle could be in there just because of the splash plays. And uh, if he breaks off two or three big plays, even if the rest of the season, season is just kind of okay, like he might still have a decent looking stat line at the end of the year and be closer to 50 catches or so uh, after year one. Even even though he's not going to you know be in line for huge volume, that might be enough to to you know live off the draft capital and just the. Uh, he's just a lot of fun to watch, right? <laughs> like, yeah. so that yeah, that might sure. uh, buoy his value for a while. But I think Diami Brown uh, has I'm been a guy that, mentioned him. that has been dropping and dropping and dropping in all my drafts. I'm pretty sure I still have 100% exposure right now to Diami Brown him. in uh, all of my normal rookie drafts, and uh, even in my Debbie drafts, I have at least I think at least three copies of uh, Diami Brown. And uh, when I look at the projections machine, uh, I love Rotoviz, but uh, this one they're wrong on because everything about this said, you know, basically just is the antithesis of what Diami Brown is. Like they're, they're they they give him like 11 yards per reception, which that's just not a thing. Like he's a deep threat. He was the best yeah. deep threat in college football in 2019 and 2020. He had the deepest average depth of target, was was a high touchdown percentage scoring monster machine, and they have him slotted in as, as getting less targets than Adam Humphreys. That is not going to happen. I think he's immediately going to be well, the wide receiver too. Yeah, seriously. He's immediately yeah, going to be the also, wide receiver too behind Terry McLaurin. And Logan Thomas, while last year was great, uh, he, you know, he's actually not getting any younger and he's a former quarterback that's converted to into tight end. And yeah, I think he's still going to be productive, but I think we could see Diami Brown get up to second in targets on, on the team behind only Terry McCoyne and McCoyne's going to get his, he's going to have near 120 targets. He's going to have over 70 catches. He's going to have over a thousand yards this year, but Curtis Samuel's a gadget guy always has been Adam Humphreys has always been, uh, you better hope he's your second slot wide receiver. Uh, he's been an okay slot wide receiver, wide receiver, I guess, when healthy. But Diami Brown is a difference-making deep threat. And so I think he's going to be much more productive than a lot of these guys that are ranked higher, higher than him in his rookie season. And when he could see closer to 80 targets, 90 targets, even have more targets than some guys that even went in the first round uh, and and creep up into that wide receiver five ish conversation probably after this year. But what are your thoughts on Diami Brown before we close out here? 
Oh, I, I absolutely love Diami Brown. I'm, and I'm glad you brought him up because he is um, like, if I have to pick up a, a sleeper, uh, he's, he's my guy. Uh, we all saw what he did with, uh, at, with the Tar Heels last year, but you, you, you mentioned um, just like that. He's a deep ball guy, but something he's, he's done is um, over the, over the last year, this, this last football season, he not only increased his, his a dot, um, but he also increased his catch rate. So not only is he catching the ball further down the field, but he's catching it more frequently. Um, and some of that's because Sam Howell improved. And some of that's just because Deami Brown is a beast and he knows how to get open and he's a burner and he is fantastic. So I love him uh, when he, and, oh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's going to be so much fun. Just, yeah. Just like the gunslinging. Like, oh, yeah, I can't wait. Fun. So yeah, I have, I, I've been, I've been grabbing him uh, probably too early in most drafts because <laughs> he's still there and uh, very excited about him. And uh, a, a, a guy that I really enjoyed uh, talking about last year in the college football podcast. And um, I'm excited to see what he can do uh, in the NFL. I think it's a great fit for him in that offense. And yeah, I think, I think the projection machine is, is, is also uh, just low on him. Yep. Absolutely agree. I think uh, he could be in that, like I said, top five, top six wide receiver conversation. And I've been getting him all over the place, pick 20 and later in rookie drafts. Uh, way, way, way late in terms of startup kind of conversations. Uh, so <clears throat> I think that's just an absolute mistake uh, that people will regret missing out on Diami Brown. But that's all the time we have on this College to Canton episode. It's been fun getting back into the rookie conversation here. And we'll get into more college football and, and go back and forth with some rookies and, and impact uh, players in, uh, in the NFL this year too as we go throughout this summer. But stay fun. I'm just glad to have you at permanently here uh, i know you've been on the show uh, a lot um but just always appreciated your opinion uh appreciated your friendship and it's been fun just talking debbie prospects and college stuff ever since i joined the road of his team but glad to just have you hop on and uh, continue talking some ball with me here this summer absolutely it is uh, my pleasure and it is an honor to be on the show um you know, I listen to it every week anyway, so you know, no, at least yeah. I can I can talk on it too. This is good. Yeah, and we won't always agree on everything. I'm sure we'll get into some good arguments. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there, especially if we talk about like some Oregon football or there we go. Maybe like some Seahawks or something like that. We'll we'll, we'll find some way. Yeah, to you didn't disagree. talk about Dwayne Eskridge. Come on now. <laughs> Yes, that's 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 another conversation for another show. But we'll have some yeah. other guests on here soon. But glad to have you on uh, two weeks in a row. I might have to get West Bay back on just to disagree with us on something too. That 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 would be a lot of fun. But yeah, uh, for sure, yeah, man. But listeners, thanks again for tuning in, and I look forward to uh, seeing y'all next time on another College to Canton podcast.